Morning, everyone. Uh, as Emma said, that is a long passage. Um, it'll be very, very helpful to have your Bible open in front of you as we work our through it. We're not going to be able to touch down on every single little detail, but having your Bible there will help you follow as we make our way through it. My name's Tristan. Uh, let me pray. Father, thanks so much for uh, Luke's Gospel. Thanks for the chance that we've had to be reading through it. Um, thank you, Father, for the way that uh, Jesus has been revealing what his kingdom is like in Luke's Gospel as we've been reading it. Please help us, Father, as we read this morning to be all the clearer on the nature of the kingdom that Jesus is bringing, has brought into the world. Amen. Uh, I know the uh, Supercars Championship is kicking off up at Mount Panorama this weekend, and I hope this isn't too controversial of a thing to say given that, but I, um, I don't really care much for the supercars. Um, I'm actually much more looking forward to the Formula One Championship, which is starting next weekend. Uh, I have mentioned it before that I really love Formula One. Um, this part of Luke's Gospel reminds me, makes me think of how over the last few weeks, because the season in Formula One is about to start, all the different Formula One teams have been holding these launch events. And in these launch events, they, they come out with their brand new car for the season. And it's literally covered in a great big sheet and they, they pull, pull it back and unveil their brand new car. And there's all these interviews they have that just go on, for, on and on for ages. They talk about the new paint job on the car and they talk about all the new technological advancements and how this is a complete transformation since last year's old car. They talk about this new car like it's going to be the, race, the, the greatest race car ever built. And you know what? It all means absolutely nothing. It really does. It means nothing because they're just showing us what the car looks like on the outside. We don't know if that car is going to be any good. For all we know, it might not have a V6 turbo hybrid inside, it might just be full of marshmallows. We're only going to know if that car is any good when we see it in action. See, because what makes a car fast, you can't see it from the outside. What makes a car good, it's on the inside. I think of it because this part of Luke's Gospel, Jesus wants us to know that he is unveiling a kingdom. And it is a kingdom that's not just superficial. It's a kingdom that is not just something that looks good from the outside. Being part of Jesus' kingdom is not just what we look like on the outside. Jesus is bringing a kingdom. Jesus is launching a kingdom that transforms people from the inside out. And so as Jesus launches his new kingdom, which is what we've been reading about as we've been working through these chapters of Luke, as Jesus launches his new kingdom, he doesn't just talk about what's on the outside and what it looks like. When Jesus launches his kingdom, he demonstrates for us his power to transform what is on the inside. So as to teach us that being part of God's kingdom, it's not something we do just by looking the part. Something Jesus does by his incredible power and authority. So we're up to chapter 11, verse 14. And this section today it starts with a man who can't speak because inside he's been possessed by a demon. Have a look at it, uh, chapter 11, verse 14. Now, Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. Any story 
about someone possessed by a demon is going to be weird, right? But the, the weirdest part about this story is just how quick it's all over. People make entire horror movies about exorcisms. This one is all over in less than a verse. Jesus just throws the demon out. Luke doesn't bother telling us how it happens. Doesn't seem to surprise Luke that it has happened. I don't think it should surprise us. Uh, back in January, we read about Jesus standing up and announcing to everyone that he had come to bring liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. So this is not surprising, is it, given what we've heard from Jesus and even what we've seen Jesus doing so far. But it's worth us considering what it means. And, and in fact, that's what the crowd is wondering too. Have a look at verse 14 again. Some of them are thinking that Jesus is casting out demons by the power of Satan even. Verse 14, when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking a sign from heaven. Beelzebul, that's just a nickname that they had for Satan. They're wondering if maybe Jesus is cast, has cast out this demon by the power of Satan. But Jesus very quickly says, no, no, no. Jesus has actually done this. He's done it to show that he is here to overthrow the kingdom of Satan and bring the kingdom of God in its place. Look at verse 17. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided house falls. If Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? In other words, if it's Satan who's giving Jesus power and authority to throw out demons, then Satan's shooting himself in the foot. No, 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 that that's just doesn't make sense. The logical explanation is it's not Satan giving Jesus this power and authority. This is power and authority from God. Look at verse 20. Jesus says, but if it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is saying, this is, this is God. God who created the universe. God who holds all things together by his power, from atoms to galaxies. God who has more power in his pinky finger than every other power combined. Jesus says that is the power that's at play here. And if that kind of power is at work, if the power of God himself has been set loose in the world, then something extraordinary is going on here. Something way bigger than just the casting out of one demon. And that something extraordinary is the kingdom of God. Jesus says, if it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. One demon, one demon is nothing compared to the big picture here. Throwing out one demon might amaze people, but it's just a glimmer of what's really happening. Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is upon you. Jesus is here to defeat Satan entirely. He is here to set people free from sin by bringing forgiveness of sin. He is here to undo all of our mistakes. He is here to wind back all of the hurt and all of the pain. He is here not just to cast out one demon. He is here to overthrow Satan completely and make him entirely powerless. 
And that's what Jesus illustrates with the, the little story about the strong man that starts in verse 21. Uh, have a look at that. Uh, Jesus says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armour in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Satan is the strong man. Jesus is the stronger man. Jesus has come and he's come to crush Satan and take away his armour and leave him defenceless and take back from Satan all that Satan's been keeping under his power. That's what Jesus has come for. And casting out this demon, this is just the start. This is just Jesus dipping his toe in the water. This is just Jesus beginning to show his power before he dives right in. Because don't forget where all of this is going. In this series of Bible talks, we're following Jesus on his journey and the destination is Jerusalem. And when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, that's when he's going to dive right in. That's when Jesus will overthrow Satan completely by going to the cross. He'll die for the sins of the world. He'll pay sin's price for us and he'll rise, he will defeat death and when he does, all Satan's power comes to nothing. This mute man, just a teaser of something much bigger. The kingdom of God is upon you. Just a teaser of what's coming up. This mute man, he doesn't change by trying harder or trying a new lifestyle. Jesus comes with something way bigger than that. A different power to the power that possessed him. A greater power and Jesus changes him inside. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Jesus is showing us he's launching a kingdom full of people who will be transformed by his power on the inside. And yet, despite seeing this demonstrated in front of their own eyes, the crowd is still asking Jesus for a sign from heaven. Which, according to Jesus shows that inside, they're full of darkness. They've got their eyes closed. They are in very real danger of rejecting God's king and missing out on God's kingdom. When they ask for a sign, Jesus reminds them of two things that happened in the Old Testament. Um, have a look at verse 31. The Queen of the South once visited King Solomon. Now you can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 10. When the Queen of the South visited Solomon, she was left breathless at the greatness of Solomon's kingdom. Jesus says, a much, much greater kingdom is here now. Look at verse 32. Jonah went to the evil city of Nineveh. And when Jonah went there, the Ninevites repented and they listened to God. Jesus says, he's here now and he is far, far greater than Jonah. And so we get to verse 33. And Jesus says, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket. Your eyes, the lamp of your body. When your eyes healthy, your whole body's full of light. But when it's bad, your body's full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. The people in the crowd, Jesus says, 
blind. They've got their eyes closed. The kingdom of God is upon them. It's a far greater kingdom than Solomon's. Jesus is standing in front of them. He's far greater than Jonah. And they need to be really careful because if they reject him, then on the inside, they're full of darkness. And they've missed out on the kingdom. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the Jewish leaders at the time, they are a sad example of exactly that kind of rejection of the kingdom. On the inside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are full of dirt and death. Uh, One of the Pharisees in the crowd invites Jesus over for dinner. Things start to get a bit awkward when Jesus doesn't wash his hands before eating, which you might think is fair enough. But this this is not like how we wash our hands after the bathroom. This is actually because the Pharisees were really, really thingy about being uh, ritually clean. And so this hand washing that they did, it was something that they did on the outside in an attempt to make themselves acceptable to God. And Jesus says it just doesn't work like that. He rips into them, verse 39, have a look. Jesus said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, But inside, you're full of greed and wickedness. You fools, didn't the one who made the outside make the inside also? Don't worry about washing your hands, Jesus says. Worry about the state of your hearts. You're washing your hands, but your hearts are disgusting. Washing your hands like that and thinking that makes you acceptable to God, that's kind of like after dinner, getting the dishcloth and and washing and wiping the outside of your bowl and then putting it away in the cupboard while the inside of your bowl has still got bits of spaghetti bolognese all over it. God didn't just make the outside of a person. God doesn't just care about the outside of a person. God doesn't just see the outside. Also the inside. And being acceptable to God is not just a matter of what you look like on the outside. Being acceptable to God starts on the inside. Look at verse 41. Jesus says, give generously from what's within, and then everything is clean for you. What makes a person acceptable to God is what's inside. Which is why it is such incredibly good news that Jesus has arrived with the power and the authority to bring a kingdom that transforms people from the inside, a kingdom where he has overthrown sin and overthrown Satan. The problem the Pharisees have is they're rejecting that kingdom because they're rejecting King Jesus. Look at verse 42. Jesus says, Woe to you, Pharisees! For you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love to be seen, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you're like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. The Pharisees are trying to be acceptable to God by looking really good on the outside. They're generous on the outside, but they're not on the inside. They just like to look generous. 
and, and they look like impressive people. They are in all the important places, but inside they're full of death. And then there's a lawyer who speaks up in verse 45 because he's feeling a little bit offended by all of this. Jesus rips into him as well. Verse 46, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves don't touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. Uh, these lawyers, these experts in the law, they're the same. On the outside, they look like they take God's laws very seriously. But on the inside, they don't care about anyone keeping the law. They won't lift a finger to help anyone. On the outside, they look like they honour the prophets because they build monuments to them. But on the inside, they're just like their ancestors who ignored the prophets and killed the prophets. Jesus finishes with some really bad news for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He says, looking good on the outside like that, it just doesn't cut it. They're not part of the kingdom of God. They're missing out. Look at verse 52. Woe to you, you've taken away the key of knowledge. You didn't enter yourselves and you've hindered those who were entering. They've missed out on the kingdom of God because they've rejected King Jesus. And sure, yeah, they look great on the outside. But inside they're rotten to the core. What it all adds up to is they desperately, desperately need Jesus. Because as Jesus has demonstrated before their eyes, he is bringing a kingdom that powerfully transforms people from the inside out. By casting out the demon from the mute man, Jesus has shown he has the power and the authority to do that. And the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they show the stupidity of rejecting Jesus and trying to do it yourself. Being a part of God's kingdom just by trying to maintain appearances on the outside, it just doesn't work, Jesus says. I've got a bunch of indoor plants at, at my place and um, I often walk past them and they're looking a bit worse for wear. And I know they just need watering. It's simple, I know, but I don't water them. Uh, I, see, I see a leaf that has died and I just pull it off. There you go, all fixed. Uh, I see a stem that's drooping and I turn it around so it's at the back and you can't see it anymore. Just to keep them looking good, you know. It's dumb, isn't it? How much dumber would it be for us to do that ourselves? To think that we're all good, we're part of God's kingdom just by keeping up appearances, just by looking good, looking the part. Because there's lots of things that we could be doing just to keep looking good. You know, I mean, being here this morning. But the kingdom's not about doing good things. You're not part of God's kingdom because you've got lots of Christian friends here or you serve church in lots of different ways or you've been baptised. You go to a Christian school. Don't get me wrong, all of those things are great, but none of them get you into the kingdom of God. giving generously to our church or giving generously to our gospel partners, being a small group leader or a youth group leader. Once again, fantastic things to be doing. People might be impressed as well if you do those things, but none of it will get you into the kingdom of God. 
please, if you're holding on to any kind of hope, that you scrub up good enough to be acceptable to God. Throw it away. That's just not the kind of kingdom Jesus is launching here as he makes his way to Jerusalem. The kingdom Jesus is bringing, and this is wonderfully good news, it's a kingdom where he has the power and the authority to overthrow Satan and deal with our sin. He can transform us completely. Put yourself in the shoes of the crowd here in Luke. On the one hand, they see a mute man. He's so helpless, he can't even speak. Jesus throws out the demon and says, the kingdom of God has come upon you. On the other hand, there's the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They look the part. They are so impressive. And Jesus says, woe to you, you are not part of the kingdom. Who would you rather be? Luke's going to keep explaining to us as we keep reading through his gospel. He's going to keep explaining how we can enter the kingdom of God. And it's nothing to do with doing it ourselves. It's nothing to do with looking the part. It's everything to do with accepting the rescue that Jesus brings. Because the kingdom Jesus is launching is a kingdom that transforms us from the inside out. I'll pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus' power over Satan. Father, thanks for his death and resurrection that have overthrown Satan and brought into the world a new kingdom uh, where we are redeemed to you through Christ's sacrifice. Father, we're really sorry for the times when we, uh, we fall into the trap of thinking that maybe we can impress you and that the things that we do might somehow earn us a place in your kingdom. So, Father, we're really thankful for this reminder that that's not how we get into your kingdom. It's not by looking the part. We need Jesus, and wonderfully, Father, you have given us Jesus. And sin and Satan are no more. They have been overthrown. The victory belongs to Christ, and he has powerfully brought us into your kingdom. Thank you, Father. Amen.